Hello, everyone. Welcome to the First Year Experience podcast. We are joined once again with an amazing guest, Dr. Crystal Escalona from UTRGV is here to talk to us a little bit about what exactly the COVID vaccine phasing uh, sequence is like at UTRGV, how many have been administered, how many um, potential registrations have opened, and how you in the future can get this vaccine, either it be the Pfizer, Moderna, um, just anything like that. So how has 2020 and 2021 been for the vaccine, Dr. Crystal Escalona? So I think it's super exciting just because we have uh, the availability of it. I don't know if you remember, but I was part of the Moderna clinical trial. So I actually got my vaccine um, back in September, I think is when it was. So I'm excited that they were able to roll it out really, really quickly. Because usually whenever scientists or, you know, big pharmaceutical companies develop vaccines, it takes a really, really, really long time to develop them and test them and roll them out. And so with the development of this messenger RNA technology, they've been able to roll out the vaccine a lot more quickly than um, they would have. Do you guys, do you guys know the difference between the messenger RNA vaccines versus like traditional vaccines? Very little. I mean, that's actually a big question. I think most people are asking or just really wondering because I think one type of vaccination or the traditional vaccination is something like a piece, a piece of the virus, and then your body gets used to it. But I'm not sorry about that. My kids are really popular, and they get phone calls all the time, and somehow it rings my computer. Sorry. Oh, no worries, no worries. And yeah, I think it's just like a piece of the virus that's you know injected into you. But as far as a messenger RNA, it's like kind of like a mystery to people. So um, I think if you have any information on that, like what sure. they can tell people. So it's crazy cool because I love I love science and I love smart people and I love it when it when they come up with amazing things like that. And so like traditionally, like you said, vaccines are usually either what they call an attenuated virus, which means that it's like still alive, but it totally can't kill you or hurt you like it used to. And so to develop that and then inject it into people so that your body sees it and recognizes it and mounts like an immune response to kill it next time it sees it. Um, that takes a while. And so the first two that came to the market were these messenger RNA vaccines. And so we have the Pfizer vaccine and we have the Moderna vaccine. And so what that is, is basically it's a piece of messenger RNA. And so in your body, you have like messenger RNA floating around all the time. It's how cells execute instructions on like what to do with everything. And so what the scientists did is they clipped out a piece of messenger RNA that codes for the little spike protein on the coronavirus. And so what it does is the piece of messenger RNA is like encapsulated in like these little lipids so that your body can like grab it and like look at it and then be like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to execute this little instruction snippet that I got here and I'm going to start making these cells like fork out these little spikes. And so when your body does that, your immune system sees these cells that you just made because of the instructions you were just injected with, these crazy little spikes, and it's like, oh, that, that doesn't belong here, and that's not right. And so you'll start mounting an immune response, meaning that you'll start creating antibodies against that crazy little spike, and then it'll also get banked into like your long-term immune memory, if you will. So that in case you ever encounter anything that has that crazy little spike, your immune system will be like, bam, and they'll kill it. So, and so you become infe technically 
put this kind of like messenger RNA in your body. And I think the misconception is that people think you get COVID from that. So like, could you just clarify that kind of idea? Sure. Because I know people tend to get confused with the idea like, oh, they're putting something in your body. Does that mean they're putting the virus inside me? Right. And so like for traditional vaccines, sometimes that's totally the case. You will get like a killed or a dumbed down version of the actual virus. With this, it's just a clip of messenger RNA of coded information. So it does not make you sick. It doesn't make you you know, get COVID, some other older vaccines. And this is super interesting. So when I was little, y'all are going to be like, oh God, lady, how old are you? When I was little, there was a polio vaccine and it was the live polio vaccine. And they used to give it to you on a cute little sugar cube with a red dot on it. It was delicious. And you just ate it. Nobody injected you with anything. But the problem is, is that when kids would like pee, they would pee out the virus, right? Because it's a live little dumbed down virus on a sugar cube. And so believe it or not, that would infect people, which is why we have the inactivated polio virus. So now we inject people with a dead form of the virus. And then that doesn't matter what you pee out because the guy's not alive and can't hurt anybody. And so that's an actual concern, but this is like a snippet of information that your cells process and your own cells make those crazy little spikes. And so it is not, the coronavirus it's it makes you make the the little spike right so yeah so doctor if someone has already had the coronavirus would they still need to get the vaccine so right now we're gonna say yes and the reason why is that even with just like i've had people on my staff that have gotten like legitimate low oxygen, full-blown coronavirus twice. And we don't have a good answer. And I mean, they've tested positive both of those times and their oxygen oxygenation level went into the toilet both of those times. And so we don't actually know how long immunity lasts. Although we did see some preliminary reports from Moderna from the vaccine saying that they think it grants immunity for about a year, but actually being a trial candidate Remember, I got vaccinated back in September. It is not September yet. So I think they're hypothesizing that they think that immunity lasts a year, but technically they don't know because I'm in their study and it's not been a year. So I'm a, I mean, every time I go into the study, they pull like six test tubes of like blood. So I'm assuming that that's what they're looking at, but I would say technically they don't know. And so we don't know why like some people get full-blown COVID and then we try to check their antibodies and then they come out negative and then how's that possible? They were COVID PCR positive a week ago and they don't have antibodies. And like everybody's, I can tell you, I've seen like the whole gambit, people that mount an antibody response, others that don't. And so it gets, it's, yeah, we don't know. So we're telling everybody, we don't care if you've had COVID or not, please try and get the vaccine. And how many, I guess you were talking about it earlier before we got on, but exactly like how many uh, registration, like how many inquiries has UT Health received for the vaccine and how many like vaccines have actually been like administered? So I know that we've administered thousands of vaccines. The exact number, I do not know. We started out here in Edinburgh. We started giving out the Pfizer vaccine until we like completely um, 
exhausted the supply that was given to us. Then we moved over to Mercedes and we moved over to Brown, uh, Harlingen and Brownsville. And so there we were giving out the Moderna vaccine. And of course those were given out until they were exhausted. Um, my parents did that online form and believe it or not, they were like, we'll give you the shot, but in Brownsville. And my parents were like, oh, we live in Mission by the way. But guess what they did? We drove them out to Brownsville so that they can get their shot because honestly, it's, you know, it's, it's first come first serve and it's really hard to get a vaccine. And so, so far we had a really nice little hotline. It was uh, really clever. It was like one eight 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 like vaccinate, UT vaccinate. We had to shut that down because we had more than 60,000 applications um, in total so far uh, to get the vaccine. And so it's, it's getting the manpower to like go through all of the applications and then teasing out whether or not you qualify and for which of the different levels, 1A, 1B, where you sit. Um, it has been really, really difficult, but I know that they're getting through them as fast as we can. We still are taking online forms. And so like in your show notes, you can put the little link uh, to fill out the form that, that says I'm like this old. And if you have like a chronic health condition, you put it on there. Um, and it even asks you like, if you're willing to get the vaccine, which I think is hilarious, right? Because I'm thinking if you weren't willing, guess what? I don't think you start filling out the application, but whatever. The question's there and it says like, if the shot's available right now, would you take it? And it has like a drop down thing, yes or no. And I'm like, I'm thinking we're gonna get a hundred percent yes on that. Otherwise people wouldn't be filling out the form. But um, but but we are trying to get through them as much as we can, as, as many as like 60,000 sounds. Um, we're working our best on trying to get through all of the applications. And I had a question about the vaccine. This is a two-part vaccine, right? So you take the first and then two weeks later, I believe you take the second part. Is that normal for vaccines? And is this, yeah. That's a great question because we've never had messenger RNA vaccines ever. You're experiencing the first one ever to exist. So is it normal? I'm gonna say yes, just because we never had them before. And both of the mRNA vaccines that we have are two shots. And I think I had alluded to this um, the last time that we talked that as far as like immune response, and I mean, I went to medical school and asked me if I understand, I don't. They did different phases in the vaccine, especially with the Pfizer vaccine. I don't know what was a Pfizer vaccine now. One of the drug companies that's making the messenger RNA vaccine, they got their control group of people. And so what they did is they gave people the exact same dose spaced out by like a month and it only like translated to like a 60% immunity. But then they were like, oh, well, let's try this. We're gonna give them one full dose and then a half dose and see what that does. And that translated to a 90% immunity. Ask me why, ask me why that even makes any sense whatsoever, it does not. I didn't get a degree in immunology, but I'm equally baffled as to why that would be. But, um, but yeah, and so there, there's method to their madness and they tweak things in the trials for sure. Uh, to try to like perfect it and get it right. But for all we know right now, it's two shots. Your immune system has to see it twice to get up to like the 90% immunity, which honestly is a godsend because the CDC and the FDA were like, well, if it's even just like 60% effective, we'll like totally like let it roll out because 60% is like their threshold. Because like the flu vaccine every year, 
it gets you like 60, 75, which isn't great, but it's better than nothing. And so that's what they were hoping for with this vaccine. So 94% is ridiculous. So it's really, really good. Really, really good. So what can you tell us maybe about the symptoms? From your experience, you were part of the trial run for the Moderna. Um, So what what can you expect if someone were to get the vaccination? Um, I think that's the biggest fear, someone to get like really incapacitated and not be able to go to work. Sure. So what, what, what is your thoughts on that? So I think you remember when I got the Moderna vaccine, I felt bad because I, the first shot, it kind of like roughed me up a little bit. And by roughed me up, I mean, it gave me fever and body aches and I had a headache and I was like, well, this isn't so bad. But remember I was being a little bit of a punk and I didn't take any ibuprofen or Tylenol. So most of the misery and suffering was self-inflicted. And the only reason why is because I wanted to ha- I wanted my body to have the most robust immune response. And if you actually look it up, this is legit. If you take antipyretics like Tylenol or ibuprofen, it actually brings down your immune response. And I was like, I want my body to like assassinate COVID. So I am not I'm not going to take anything. So with the vaccine, I did have those symptoms of like the headache. I felt like I was getting the flu like with the body aches and I was like tired and my head hurt. And I have come to find out because they vaccinate right outside my office. And so the people that come through and we have like a huge healthcare force and I've asked them how they've done. I will say that the majority, like they're like, yeah, my arm hurt, but that was pretty much it. But then I will tell you that, um, there is a sense of humor to all of this. So my husband made fun of me when I got the Moderna vaccine. He was calling me like a weenie for having like the fever and the body aches. And like, I was like in bed and I didn't feel so hot. So he got his, uh, he's also in the healthcare industry. And so he got his second shot yesterday or no, the day before yesterday. Guess he was having a fever and feeling like crap and his head hurt. And I'm like, hey, hey. I was like, I told you. He was saying that he was stronger than me, so he wasn't going to get any side effects, and then that just goes to show you. Um, but yeah, but for the most part, the people that, um, like my coworkers, they've all done really, really well. I will say that I've only encountered like a handful that had an experience like mine. And if you really think about it, like when I was feeling like crap, I was actually happy about it because it was my body mounting a good immune response, right? So I feel extra protected because (laughs) I didn't feel so well after the vaccine. But yeah, like I said, the majority of people do great and they just complain like of a sore arm and that's the long and short of it. Um, What is the difference between the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine? If students were like wondering if they were any. Um, So it's based off of the same messenger RNA technology. The main difference is that the Pfizer vaccine has to be kept in like crazy cold temperatures. And I mean, so does Moderna, but the Pfizer vaccine is like negative. I don't even know, like negative 60, like something ridiculous, like something exactly like something that you would find like maybe in Antarctica and maybe that's not even cold enough. I, I don't know, but they have to keep it on dry ice. And so The way that I classify Pfizer in my mind is that it has to be kept crazy cold or Moderna has to be kept cold-ish and like cold-ish meaning like still like negative 10 or something. It's still ridiculously cold. And so the limitation that Pfizer has is that there are only like a subset of freezers that could possibly even get that cold. And so it limits your distribution because 
like luckily the university we do like tons of research and like these professors have these crazy freezers in their labs right and so we got we got lucky because they had their they need those crazy cold conditions for what i have no idea what they were doing but thank god they had them and so if you want to like give out the vaccine in like places like africa like out in like a little community or whatever that that becomes a severe limitation because those crazy cold conditions can't be kept in places that aren't equipped for it and so they're trying to be smart about how they distribute the vaccine and giving out the vaccines that have to be kept in these extra special conditions to places that can tolerate it versus like another vaccine that we're waiting on is from Johnson and Johnson. And that one, does, it, it requires like a refrigerator. <laughs> right? So you can find fridges pretty much everywhere. And so that'll be utilized in other places that don't have crazy freezers like the ones we have here. You so know, I Oh, sorry. Go next. Sorry. So I was I was wondering about maybe um, how the hospitals are doing. I know that you work with a couple of um, the hospital, a couple of hospitals, a couple of offices, and the projects that you're working on. What what do you see on the ground? I think the purpose of this episode today was just kind of to bring to light what's kind of going on. And at the same time, just to bring awareness, because there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, working their butt off. It, in that environment, especially a lot of nurses, like I personally have a couple of friends that are nurses and they're overworked. They're like working 16 hour shifts. So um, could you give me, give us a little bit of tidbits of what's kind of going on on the ground? So I'm gonna say that it's not as bad as it was uh, like back in like March, April, right? When I told you guys that like we were using waiting rooms and just we had like stretches of just gurneys and nurses would be like, I don't know, your patients are somewhere there. And that was horrifying, right? Because usually I get to the hospital and my patients are in their rooms and I hadn't gotten kicked out of my unit yet um, because I'm a pediatrician. Um, I will say that it's not as bad as that, but if I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that the numbers are climbing. Um, and the way that we kind of like judge the level of badness, if you will, is how full our ICUs are. And so we're not at capacity. So like if you look at poor Los Angeles, Los Angeles has 0% capacity. Like the horribleness that you saw go down in New York is what poor Los Angeles is going through right now, as far as like having to ration care and don't use oxygen when you're transporting patients because there's no more oxygen to be had. So you need to save the oxygen for somebody that's worth saving. And so I, I, I would never want to work under those conditions where you're having to make those kinds of choices. Um, so we're nowhere near that, but the numbers are creeping up. And so I, I'd like to think that we kind of learned our lesson already and that we're being very cautious and still doing the social distancing, the hand washing and putting on your face mask everywhere. Um, and I, I, I'd like to think that we're not gonna get there again. But no, I, I, I've been keeping an eye on it for sure. Because yeah, like one of my one of my best friends in Austin is a is a hospitalist for um, the hospitals out there. She covers five different hospitals, and she was saying that even in Houston, they were asking for dermatologists for help. That's the day you want to be taking care of somebody who specializes in the skin. That's really scary. And so I had told her, I'm like, as a pediatrician, I mean, I think I'm a little bit more useful just because I hang out in the hospital as my profession or whatever. I have people on IV fluids and with oxygen. And so I've got, I've got better, no knock to dermatologists, but you don't necessarily want a dermatologist taking care of you 
in the hospital, but they were, they were getting pretty desperate in Houston. And so I told her that I was like, I'll, I'll go, I'll go help you. I go, but you're going to have to tell me what to do. Adults freak me out. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, so I would need a lot of guidance, but I would totally chip in to help. But I'd, I'd like to think that we learned our lesson the first time around and that it's not getting as bad as it was. So I'm crossing yeah. my fingers and my toes because it would be this week and next week for people that got together for Christmas. So mm -hmm. I'm yeah. watching. Yeah, because since the holiday, it's already that time frame of two weeks within that 14 day time frame. And I think um, from my experience being on campus here at the Edinburgh campus, uh, I've been going to the research lab there with computer science. And, you know, there's still a couple of students that tend to forget their masks or not wearing their masks. And at the same time, we do have uh, campus police that are patrolling. And I was I laid to witness, you know, campus police telling people to be wearing their masks on campus. And I think people forget like the importance of it, even if even if you're not even showing symptoms or not feeling sick at all, just wearing the mask to protect yourself. And it's right. out of like, it's out of respect for life. I think people tend to forget that idea. It's not really like, it's like a political thing. It's a respect for life and respecting others, like life, you know, because it's protecting them. Definitely. Because, you, you have to be really careful because it's the enclosed spaces that'll get you right. Where whatever yeah. I exhale stays in the room and whoever comes in here next or whatever is going to breathe it in. I think the biggest panic attacks that I usually have is in the restroom. Cause I remember you mentioning, we were talking about that our last episode about being in the restroom and then they <laughs> use the, the vacuum machines to dry your hands. It's just like throwing everything everywhere. Throws things around for sure. You just don't be like me. I don't take off. <laughs> I don't take off my mask for anything. And even now that, you know, I'm vaccinated, the mask does not leave my face. I mean, I'm here in my office, but there's like a whole other room that's like locked over here. I'm very enclosed. Um, but I mean, if I'm in the bathroom or even if I'm in the hospital, I think I told you, I still don't eat inside the hospital because I'm horrified of taking off my mask. Mm -hmm. So I just pile up like a little to-go plate and run out. So yeah, no, enclosed spaces are not that great. Um, what are the special considerations of who is going to get the vaccine first? Definitely. And so the very first uh, people that got it were frontline healthcare workers, or if you're just around COVID patients, um, you get vaccinated. If you are elderly, meaning that you're over the age of 65, or if you have like a health condition, such as like a chronic lung condition, a heart condition, any kind of chronic infection that you have in that nice little form of ours that asks you if you're willing to take the vaccine or not. It also has check boxes as far as like, do you have diabetes? Do you have hypertension? Any of those things um, that kind of boots you up into the front of the line because you're extra likely to have a bad COVID uh, that could possibly kill you. And so you're put to the front of the line so that you can get the vaccine first. And do you have any, Go ahead, Gerson. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just a quick question. Um, so who it would be paying for the vaccine? So at this point in time, it's supposed to be the government. So you should not pay for the vaccine at all. Nobody should be getting any bills of any kind. You just get the vaccine and you're on your way. And you've heard of like all these different strains that have been surfacing, you know, overseas and they're starting to be apparent here in the United States. Um, does this same vaccination protect against those kinds of strains? I know they tend to be more infectious. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And so, I mean, viruses do that. They're like super smart. 
I wish I understood them better, like what their point for being is, right? To take over cells and they're not supposed to be like little thinking things like bacteria are like alive and yeah, they might make you sick, but they can subsist by themselves. But viruses can't, they freak me out. There's another kind of infection, but I'll tell you about that after this, that freaks me out even more. And that's just a little chunk of protein that runs around and makes you sick. Those are called prions. But viruses also freak me out. And so that's just what they do. They mutate and they change. And so they actually have shifts in their genetics about like every two to three months. And so the one that you heard about that's um, out of England, it's genetics makes it stick extra to the receptors that you have um, in your nose that they're called ACE receptors. Um, they make them extra sticky. So the thought is that it makes you more contagious but it still has that dumb little spike protein, right? And the vaccine codes for the little spike protein. And so as long as the coronavirus has that spike, it should work just fine. And so even though it might make it extra sticky, it still has a spike. So as long as it's still a coronavirus that has that spike, the vaccine should theoretically still hold. And is there anything in the future that you're kind of looking out for? Something that maybe the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe something that you can tell students what to expect for the next year, just to maybe like boost morale. Well, like, what are your expectations for 2021? I'm thinking, I mean, obviously we've had challenges in rolling out the vaccine, right? Um, in an ideal world, I would have loved to see like the National Guard like set up like crazy tents, kind of like the ones you see in the movies, right? I don't know if that's real or not, but in an ideal world, I would like to see them set up tents and like just vaccinate everybody. Um, I would say like one, if you have any hesitation about the vaccine, please talk to a healthcare professional. I can't tell you like even this morning, oh my God. So I was reading an article um, that Reuters put out about how COVID affects you, right? One of the things that you have inside your body is called the microbiome, right? And these are the little bacteria guys that live inside your poop. I know that sounds gross, but they're there, okay? And so believe it or not, they are in control of quite a lot. They've done studies to look at the microbiome in your intestines and you're a happier person, or they've looked at the microbiome and like people that have autism and the little bugs that they have in their intestines are completely different from somebody that doesn't. And so they put out a study. The little microbiome that people have also can call whether or not you're gonna get bad COVID or not, okay? And so I'm like, oh, I love the microbiome. I just, I, I find it fascinating, right? That you think you're in control, but you're probably not. And the little guys that live in your intestines have a lot to do with like your health and how you're feeling and yeah. Anyways, you have a whole universe within you. But the thing here is I was reading the comments and like some people were putting, oh, this is just silly. All you have to do is like rub yourself down in oregano oil and shove, what was it colloidal silver up your nose? And I'm just like, oh God. Somebody help me. And so the only reason why I say that is because as a healthcare professional, do you want to know what I can tell you about preventing COVID? Get the vaccine for sure and do like the social distancing thing. But I don't have kitchen remedies or I don't even know where the heck you would get colloidal silver. But I love evidence-based medicine, right? I like that there's evidence that something works and then that there's things to back that what we say actually works. I can't stand it people that just troll the internet telling you to start drinking freaking oregano oil and and freaking rub silver up your nose and that that's going to fix everything so 
don't believe everything that you read on social media. That's number one. And two, trust your doctor. All of us have gotten our shots. We feel fine. No one's grown a third head. It's going really, really well. And so if you're going to take any tips within your health, just listen to somebody that went to school and bothered to study that. That is what I will say. That oregano thing made me crazy. And I thought about responding. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, but then it's like, there's no point. So yeah. I delete it all. <laughs> Definitely. I think people's uh, beliefs tend to get in the way of like factual learning. You know, some people can be like diehard believing this kind of ideology and then just, you know, focus on that. But, you know, at the same time, I think what you said resonates um, trusting the medical professionals and people that are actually working on the ground and seeing it firsthand, like what to expect. Um, at this point, I think, I think everything that we do as like, I guess the next presidential, you know, comes into elect President Biden comes into office. I think I really hope for, for what I hope for 2021 is that a lot of the things of these, you know, people misconstrue the idea of stimulus and getting like a personal check, but really the stimulus is getting that government money to healthcare professionals or getting it to the needy. So people who are like really need to start up these projects, especially with the vaccine rollout. Um, I think I heard in the news, that's going to be part of the next stimulus package. It's going to be the vaccine rollout. And they're going to put a lot of money into like just pushing it into the public. Cause I think the more, the more we get it there, the more we can get to, I guess, a new normal. It's never going to get to the old normal, how we used to have it, but the new normal needs to be, I guess, safe. Definitely. And then maybe we'll get to see that National Guard situation with the tenants. We'll see mm -hmm. if that's a real thing and if that happens. <laughs> but I it would should. like to see that. It should happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. Do you guys have any other questions? Vaccines are my favorite. They are medicine's coolest magic trick. I guess this, this just gets me the whole silver lining I can think of is now we're prepared for the next virus like mm -hmm. I feel COVID taught us a lot about how to handle a worldwide epidemic but also at the same time just how to handle how to make this like these new like you said these new vaccines that's never been like made or seen before exactly exactly I always like seeing how smart humans are and how they can like, oh, I've got a fix for this. It's just cool to watch. I wish I had come up with that, right? <laughs> the messenger RNA thing, but that's all right. I'm just happy to get things out to patients and make sure that nobody gets sick. That would be great. Well, very is, good. It is weird that exactly a year ago, I was in your office asking you about what is this COVID thing? Like, I don't, do you even and think it's going to do that map, right? I was like in yeah. total denial. It was still just in China. And I'm like, don't worry. They won't let it come here. That is very naive. <laughs> I was with you on that. I was like, it's going to phase out. It's just going to be like, so weird. I don't know. Or you figure like, I don't know. Like they just would have done something. But yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's 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 something else. That's for sure. I, I don't think I'll ever say that to you again. The next thing, the next time like we talk or you come to my office and I show you the map where like the outbreak is, I'll be like, oh my God, it's coming. It'll be, it'll be the opposite reaction. I'll be like, oh God, what are we gonna do? But yeah, no, it it yeah, that's definitely it was exactly a year ago. You're right. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Well, very good. But well, you guys had awesome questions. 
Thank you so much. And uh, if, we're all, if we don't have any more questions, I just wanna once again, thank you, Dr. Crystal Escalona from UTRGV, I, Division of Pediatrics, Assistant Clinical Professor for the Department of Pediatrics, Director of Student Wellness, Director of Careers in Medicine, Faculty Director at JAM. You have been uh, fantastic guiding us through exactly what COVID-19 is like, for what it means for students and just knowing that you were in the trial run for this vaccine for the Moderna and now you are just making sure that everyone gets it and everyone wears their mask and it's just amazing to have a refreshing silver lining um, person we can talk to here on the podcast and I want to thank my guests Gerson and Nick for joining us today on this podcast but again students um, we'll be having it in the description of the podcast but utrgv.edu slash coronavirus is your one-stop way to know about everything they even have a tracker to where you can find out what exactly the cases are like down here and across the world so once again I want to say Thank you, Dr. Escalona, and uh, we hope to speak to you soon once uh, maybe more vaccines are given out and the future looks brighter. That sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys.